Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. For those of you that are in the room and our friends watching or listening online, and our friends that will be able to listen this week on the radio, welcome to the first week of a brand new year. My name is Jimmy Akers, and I will be your tour guide through Scripture this morning. I also want to welcome some VIPs in the room. If you are an amazing kid or an incredible student, say, hey All right, for all the adults in the room, will you welcome our guests this morning that are joining us for worship? And if you hear a child having a great time today, I just want you to thank God for our future. We're thankful that they're here. This morning, we're kicking off a brand new series called Stuff Christians Say, where over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking through a few different statements that Christians have been known to say, and we'll evaluate whether or not these things are true or helpful. Raise your hand if you've ever said something that you realize you shouldn't have said. Anybody ever done that before? Or sometimes we say things that aren't even true, and we're not even aware. You know, the Bible speaks so much to the words that we use. Just a couple of examples here in Proverbs 21, 23. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. True that. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful and for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. We could use a whole lot more of that. And we have Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You know, we used to say the thing as a kid, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's not true, is it? That's not true. And as followers of Jesus, we should speak truth. But sometimes we say things that we want to be true or that we've always heard and assumed to be true. This happened to me when I first started in full-time ministry as a youth pastor almost 18 years ago. Our youth group, when I was a youth pastor in Maryland, we grew from 12 kids to about 80 kids on a weekly basis in a couple of months. And I got to be honest with you, I had no idea what to do. There was just kids everywhere. We had very few leaders that were helping us at the time and trying to figure out how do you recruit leaders that want to invest in kids and how do you keep kids from doing things they shouldn't do when you don't have enough people to keep an eye on what's going on and how do you help them navigate their faith. And so, but one one cool thing about our youth group growing during that season when I was a youth pastor was that a lot of the students that were coming to our youth ministry were new to faith or new to church. And so we're having the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. And we had a lot of kids making steps of faith and getting baptized in that season. And it it was incredible. But one night early on, I remember after we had a bunch of kids that made a decision to follow Jesus and get baptized, the following week, I was talking about it. And I said, you know, the Bible says that when one sinner repents... 10,000 angels rejoice. Now, I had heard that statement as a child multiple times. I don't even remember from who, but I had heard it multiple times. And that night when I was preaching, it just rolled off my tongue. But after I said it, something didn't sit right with me and I couldn't figure it out. 
So that week I went on a deep dive in prayer and, and going through scripture over the next couple of days. And what I found out was that statement was not true. And so the, the next week I got up in front of my students and I, I told them, I said, listen guys, last week as we were celebrating the your peers that made decisions to follow Jesus and get baptized the week before. I made this statement about 10,000 angels and God convicted me over it and it took me some time to read the scripture and find out that even though I had heard that a lot as a child, that's not actually what the Bible says. And so then I took them to a couple of passages where that was taken and clearly misconstrued. When Jesus is sharing about the lost sheep being found, he says this in Luke 15, 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not. So that actually speaks to even more. All of heaven rejoices. And then when he shares about the lost coin in Luke 15, 10, in the same way I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the truth is, is that it's even better than what I said. But the problem was is that what I said wasn't accurate. And when I spoke it, I said, the Bible says this, and I spoke that with authority and influence, but I misspoke. So I had to eat some humble pie, which by the way, still has zero calories. And in front of my students and my youth leaders, almost 100 people in the room, I repented and I said, this was wrong, God's convicted my heart. And I wanna correct it in front of you and let you know. And this is important, and this is why you should read the Bible for yourself so you come to know the truth on your own. Now, most of them probably could care less at the time. They were like, when are we getting snacks? Like, they were ready to move on. But it mattered to me because it mattered to God. Now, here's the thing. We're not always gonna get this right, but God, here's the, here's the great thing about the Lord. God is good all by himself, And we don't have to exaggerate to say things that are not true to make him seem more awesome. And when we miss it, we need to do something about it. James 4, 17 says this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Another occasion when I was a youth pastor, I had a student that had Asperger's, uh, which is a form of autism, and she had no inhibitions, and she was amazing, uh, but sometimes because of that, some of our interactions were interesting, especially when I was preaching. Uh, But here's the thing. She loved Jesus wide open, and she was brilliant. As a child, she loved the Bible so much that she got her parents to get the Bible on tape to put in her Walkman. Anybody remember Walkman? If you don't know, Google it. And, and so, but I'm not kidding. I actually went to their house and before she went to bed, she came to say goodnight to her parents and she had headphones around her neck that she was gonna put on. I said, Are you, do you listen to music when you go to sleep, Mackenzie? She said, no, I listen to the Bible. And she literally would listen to scripture all night long while she slept. And she was like an anomaly, right? Not a lot of people do that. But the thing is, is when she was a kid, up until she became a teenager, she had almost a photographic memory of the things that she processed when she was young. So she knew more Bible references than I did. And I remember when she first started coming to our youth ministry, she would come up to me and say something to the effect of this. Well, Pastor Jimmy, I have a few questions. I said, sure. She said, well, in your message, there was three different times where you said the Bible says, but you didn't tell us where. And you were saying this thing, and you said, and the Bible says this. And then you said, and the Bible says this. And at the close, you said, the Bible says this. And I know that one of those was in James chapter 2, but I cannot recall the other references. 
I said, okay, you're schooling me now. But here's the thing, as much as that was a challenge to me in the moment, it was a good challenge because it forced me to spend more time in scripture, in prayer, in preparation for my messages. And here's the thing, I still have a hard time with references, that's why I keep notes. In the world where we are constantly bombarded with messages and and things competing for our attention, we need to do our best to at least be mindful of what we're saying, especially when it comes to scripture. You know, when I'm trying to eat healthy, like before that, I never notice the signs on top of the gas pumps. But do you realize there are signs on top of a lot of gas pumps that have pictures of hot dogs and Mountain Dews and Doritos? I never see them. There's something about my body that signals, oh, you're trying to eat healthy. Check this out. It's a distraction. It's a message that can deter me from the direction I'm trying to head. We need to be mindful of scripture and what it says to the best of our ability, especially if we're going to make statements that the Bible says this thing. So that's kind of where the series is coming out of, not to put a hammer on anybody, but maybe just to challenge you that God's ready to meet you in his word. In our first statement today for this series and for today, God will not give you more than you can handle. So, quick question, poll of the room. Have you ever heard that before? I know I have. Second one, have you ever said that before? I've said it before. And here's the thing, I really want this to be true. (laughs) Like, I want this to be true. There are times I'm going through things, I'm like, oh, this is my release valve. I know God won't give me more than I can handle. But here's the thing, have you ever been so stressed and overwhelmed and you thought, how much more can I take? And then a well-meaning friend will step into your situation where they're trying to console you or encourage you and you say, you're gonna be okay because God won't give you more than you can handle. And then in my mind, I wonder, God, will you forgive me for a solid throat punch in this moment? (laughs) And maybe some of you can relate to this. Have you ever come through a season and looked back and thought, how in the world did I make it through that? I've been through a couple of those moments in my life. Well, here's the thing. The thing that helped you make it through that was the Lord. And I don't know about you, but life can be challenging enough. I don't need to hold on to something if it's not true, right? I don't wanna hold on to something that's not adding value to my life. It's just one more thing for me to have to carry and process. My wife, the other day, she showed me a video of a woman that lives up north that they just got pounded with this blizzard and the woman is, is sweeping uh, feet of snow off of her car and shoveling feet of snow out her, down her driveway. And while she's doing it, she says, we don't have earthquakes, hurricanes, or alligators. We don't have earthquakes, or hurricanes, or alligators. And that's true for her in that moment. But here's the thing. It's still a storm, right? She's still cleaning up after that mess. And with every stage of life comes different challenges and storms. And for some of you right now, you're in the diaper stage with your kids. And that's interesting, right? And and others of you, you're caring for your parents in their more mature years as they're starting to struggle with some things. And for some of you, you have activities like birthday parties or sports or weddings and work and more work. And then you throw in things like pandemics and hurricanes. And it's just, it's just a mess. And the drop off or pickup line at school, anybody done that before? Like I have multiple come to Jesus moments if whenever I have to do that. It's very rare, but man, when I'm there, Lord help me. And for many, medical concerns, loneliness, dealing with fear, fill in the blank. Here's the thing. We could say God won't give you more than you can handle, but it's not true. He's called us to be dependent on him. 
So let's look at this, where this comes from. This thought originates from this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I think about, about a perfect example of this. Again, back to food, because a lot of people can relate to that. You know, I can say, okay, I don't want to eat sweets, but if I go swimming in the chocolate fountain at Golden Corral, I'm going to set myself up for failure, right? Like, that doesn't work like that. In the middle of that verse, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's where the God won't give you more than you can handle came from. But here's the problem. It's out of context. And it's not true. And here's the thing. I want it to be true. We can't save ourselves, right? That's the first and perfect example. We need Jesus for salvation, to redeem us and reconcile us unto the Father. We need Jesus to do that. We can't do that by ourselves. That's one thing we absolutely can't handle. But we see so many stories in the Bible where the situations were more than the people could handle on their own. You can see a highlight reel in Hebrews chapter 11 where it speaks about all these people walking by faith. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samson, David, and so many more where if it had not been for God, we would not even probably be reading about their lives. But because of God's movement in their life, we get to see these examples. And here's the thing, God stepped into so many of their situations and worked in ways where they couldn't handle it on their own, and he does the same thing for us. But why? Why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? That's a great question. The book of books that we call the Bible or God's word, it's not just a bunch of messages from God. It's also a mirror that reveals our humanity and our need for Jesus. The people in the Bible were just like us and they had a leaning to not always make the best decisions and would step into sin. And scripture reminds us that sin can separate us from God. Here's the thing. I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, man, he said, I wish God would tell me exactly what to do. And I said, God's tried that before. He said, what do you mean? I said, Adam and Eve. God tried that before Genesis 2, beginning in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Listen, y'all can do whatever you want to do. You can eat whatever you want to eat. Just stay away from this fruit. That's clear as mud to me, right? Well, here's the thing. We know how that went. They start making fruit pastries from the exact tree that God said not to do, and it messed everything up. And some of you will say, well, I would have did better. How many of you have had a conversation with your doctor, and they say, do not eat this thing? And the next time you go to the store, that's the exact thing that you get. And somebody that cares about you said, I thought you weren't eating then. You say, I'm going to start again next week, or I'm going to wait till January 1st. Today's January 1st, by the way, if you want, if you want to do that. Here's the thing, we see it with the children of Israel. God delivers them again and again through the Old Testament and then they quickly move on past God. They start to forget about him. Moses, he goes up to the mountaintop to spend time praying and God said, hey, you, better, you might wanna check on the people that you just delivered. You might wanna check on them because they're doing some crazy things. In Exodus chapter 32, beginning in verse seven, the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they have made themselves an idol cast into the shape of a calf. 
And they have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. They made a golden cow. Like, because Moses is out of town, like, they made a golden cow to worship. And now they're giving the golden cow worship for redeeming them. Like, I think cows look cool. And they look great in some of your Christmas pictures, right? And they're great dinner guests, but they're not good gods to worship. Some of you will get that joke later. Because of examples like this in scripture, there are plenty and there's so many areas where God shows us this, that we may go through things that we can't handle on our own. And God will allow those situations for a couple of reasons. Number one, because God wants us to trust him to lead us. He wants us to trust him to lead us because when things are good, we tend to forget about God. Again, the the children of Israel, God provided for them for years on a daily basis. Deuteronomy 29, beginning in verse five, yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did your sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other ferment to drink, and I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. Forget about getting Jordans, get some sandals that never wear out. But now they're making golden statues of cows to worship. I've been next to a couple of people on airplanes over the years, and we start talking about different things, and some of them, it always comes up, what do you do for a living? You know, I get to talk about what I get to do for a living, and sometimes the conversation will, well, you know, I don't, I'm not really religious, I don't believe in God, I don't, whatever. But over my hundred some flights over my, over my lifetime, that there's been a couple of times where we hit some major turbulence, and the captain comes over the loudspeaker, and says, if you do not have your seatbelt on, you need to get your seatbelt on. And if the oxygen mask drops, do not freak out and hold on. It's going to be a while to get through this. And all of a sudden, my neighbor is praying. And they didn't believe, but all of a sudden, it starts to bring them to this intersection. And we see this with other people. We see this with people in the Bible, like Jonah, who was running from God's instruction. But even in his rebellion, he came to this moment. In Jonah chapter two and verse two and then in verse seven, he said this, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. When life is hard, where is God? He's patiently waiting for you and I to trust him. That's where he's at. He could ask the same question. When life is good, where are you? We can trust God to lead us. And the thing I love about Jesus is he'll take us back. He loves us when we turn our eyes. He says, no, 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 come back, come back, come back home. Come back to me. Don't let the storm that you're going through make you forget about the God that never left you. So important. Because whatever we're focusing on is the thing that's gonna take us in that direction. And you can call on God and you can trust him. Eight years ago, this month, one of my close friends, Mike Hostead, he stepped into eternity after he was diagnosed with cancer that Thanksgiving before. And just a couple of months that he found out that he was not gonna live long. He was 36 years old. And our conversations over the last couple of months of his life were wild. And I, I remember every time I would talk to him, I, even though I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. I'm pastoring a church that I planted at the time and I'm walking through this season with him and we're talking through things and our conversations, I would be shaking. 
I would be overwhelmed. I would be distraught on the phone. But man, he just spoke with this faith that you only get from proximity to Jesus and perspective. And he just talked about heaven and spending eternity with God, not as something that he was concerned about or even dying as something he was concerned about, but as something that he was looking forward to. And it was hard for me to process all of that. And I remember our last call and he said, Jimmy, he said, I'm ready to go. He said, listen, the messages that you preach are true. And the worship songs that we sing are true. And Jesus has been preparing a place for us. And it's about time that I respond to that invitation because it's all true. We can trust him. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And you can cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I struggle sometimes when I talk to people and say, I can't come to church, I gotta get myself together. You cannot get yourself together without Jesus. And that's the thing, the church is not a hotel for the saints, it's a hospital for the hurting. And everyone is welcome to come and Jesus is ready to meet you at your point of need. And we go through things that we can't handle on our own. We can trust God to lead us and when we go through things that we can't handle on our own, if we will trust him, we'll be able to, number two, we'll be able to see when God meets us in those moments. The apostle Paul, he spoke about a major struggle in his life and in scripture, he refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. I remember when I was a kid, my, my brother used to follow me around all the time and it kind of annoyed me, and then I, I, he found a friend that he realized that his friend was skinny like him, and they could run together, and I couldn't keep up. And so I remember them running, and me deciding to try to keep up one time, and they were running through the, the, the woods behind our house, and there was this hole that when I looked at the hole, it looked big enough for me to fit through it, but it was not. And it was actually thorn bushes all around it. And they jumped through the hole, perfectly and come out on the other side and kept going and I jumped through the hole and got stuck in thorn bushes and I remember I actually had to wait for my dad to come home and cut me out if you can remember my my big tail was just suspended in thorn bushes it was not fun and the thing is is that whenever I, I read about the thorn in the flesh I remember that moment in my life where I just felt stuck and there was pain and some of you can relate to that right now and Bible scholars are all over the map and guessing what the thorn in the flesh could have been for Paul maybe a physical health issue or a troubled relationship. And I read one article that said it could have been nightmares or dreams because of the people that he did harm to. And then some would say it could be PTSD from the beatings that he endured. But he shares about it in this passage. I'm gonna read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse six. He said, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will make, make me think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, now remember, this is Paul's perspective on this thorn in the flesh, as he calls it. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
And that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, that, that, this statement, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm not signing up for that. Those are words from a, a, a person that has been through some things in life and seen some things in life. But more importantly, even in his points of pain, he saw God meeting him right there. Sometimes we struggle to see that. that God's working even when it's really, really Hard. So when we're struggling with a relationship or grieving a loss and when we're stressed about a job or finances or struggling with our emotional or mental health or, or feeling like we're hanging on by a thread and in the middle of that pain or the mess, we find ourselves saying things like, I've got to be strong for my family. I've got to be strong for my kids. I've got to be strong for my parents. A lot of you have said those words. And I just wanna say this. I wanna give you permission as the Apostle Paul has given us here, it's okay to not be strong because God is strong. When you're weak, he is strong and he can carry the weight if we will release it into his hands. We can depend on Jesus. As one of my mentors, Dr. Les Harden often says, when you come to the end of yourself, you find Jesus. He meets us there. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And sometimes, until God is all you have, you'll never realize that God is all you need. So for our statement today, God will not give you more than you can handle. It sounds good, but it's not supported by Scripture. But time and time again, we see all throughout the Bible that God will not let you go through the storms of life alone. And if he doesn't calm the storm, he will ride it out with you. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 16. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And not physically, but spiritually. And our takeaway for today, trust God to lead you and look out with great expectation for God to meet you right where you are. I'm gonna say this, I wanna pray. Some of you may really, really like the thought of a new year. And some of you may think that it's just a gimmick, just changes the date. You write the wrong day for the first six months of the year anyways, you're trying to figure it out. You really don't know whether you're coming or going in 2022 or 2023. I, I happen to like the first day of a new year because I loved it in school because I struggled in school at the beginning of the year. Everybody started off with an A. Now, here's the thing. That may not be true in life either, but Jesus can make all things new. And if you have not put your trust in the Lord, made a decision to follow Jesus, there's never been a better day than today. And if you're struggling and you're going through a season of life and you really want some relief, I just wanna tell you this until that comes, that God has not left you. And if you will lean into him, I promise you, you will become more aware of his presence. And it's not just because you feel it. It's because you know it's true, because he said it. We can take him at his word. We can trust him. And if we will do that with expectation, look for him to move in our life, we'll start seeing God working those God moments. Let's pray.
God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be gathered here. God, I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters that are in this room, those that are listening online, those that will be listening uh, on the radio this coming week. God, we thank you so much that your word gives us truth and clarity. And God, I so desperately want that statement to be true. God, that you won't give me more than I can handle. But Lord, I just pray every single time I come to that place, and for my brothers and sisters, some are at that place right now where they realize they cannot keep going like this. God, that they would take the weight of the world that they were never intended to carry and put it back in your hands. God, you let us know that you can give us rest. God, we thank you so much for those promises in your word. God, help us to trust you. And God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear as you lead us in those moments where you're working and we may not have seen it before. And we will give you glory and praise for it. And God, as we step into a new year, God, for some, may this be a new season. And for some, God, may it be a renewed place in the season they're walking through. A reminder, God, that you are with them. Thank you, Jesus. Because of you, we don't have to do life alone. We love you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.